Today we are, uh, we're going to wrap up our series, Unbalanced. I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I've enjoyed this series on being unbalanced. And, um, and I just want to, real quick, I want to catch us up. I know some of you maybe haven't been here the last few weeks, and so I want to catch you up on exactly what we're talking about. Um, I, I know that you might see that that graphic is slightly unbalanced. It's not right down the middle. And some of you, that might drive you crazy because you might want things to be perfectly balanced. I know that, uh, that Nate, who made the graphic, likes things to be perfect. And so that probably bothers him that it's a little bit off. But, but the idea that we're talking about in this series is the idea that we need to be unbalanced. We're pushing back on, on this idea that the world around us, it's very prevalent that people say you need to balance everything in your life. You have to have everything perfect. You have to spend a perfect amount of time with each thing. You have to have balance so that your life can be its very best. The first week, Pastor Andrew um, spoke to us, and he had uh, boxes across the front. I think there were 12 boxes. There might have been 10 boxes across the front, and each box represented things in our life that we give our time and our attention and our energy to. And so there was a family box. There was a work box. There was uh, sports. There was hobbies. There was all these different boxes. And the world tells us that in order for our life to be the best it can be, we have to make sure that all of those boxes are even and we give them the same amount of attention and we need to have balance. But, but what the world tells us isn't necessarily true because what God tells us is that we don't need balance. We don't need everything in our life to be equal. What we need is to put God first to love God with everything we have, and when we do that, then everything else falls into place. And so when we talk about being unbalanced, that doesn't mean we're talking about being crazy, that doesn't mean we're talking about ignoring all the things in your life. What it means is that we want to be unbalanced and that we want to love God first and foremost more than anything else. And so we've been working in Matthew chapter 22, and I want to read this scripture. Um, This is Jesus' encounter with the Pharisees. And in verse 34, it says this Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, keep in mind, the Pharisees were a people of the law. They knew all of the laws and all of the rules, and they believed that if, if they followed those to a T, if they did that, they would be worthy. They would be good enough. And so they kind of had this work-based religion or a law-based religion, and so they're trying to trap Jesus. And they say, which one of these is the greatest commandment? And we've talked a little bit about this. This is review. But, but the reason this is a trap for Jesus is because if Jesus says this is the most important, then there are a group of people who believe that this is the most important, and they're going to be angry at Jesus, and they're going to turn away. But if he says this is the most important, these people are going to be upset. And so they're trying to trap Jesus and get him into trouble with his, his own words. It goes on in verse 37, and it says, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. 
So they're trying to trap Jesus. They're trying to get Jesus to commit to a, a certain thing. We're talking about balance and boxes. And, and in their minds, these, these boxes, this, this balance was all of this law. And if they could get Jesus to put one of these laws above the others and he was unbalanced, they'd, he'd be in big trouble, right? Jesus says, no. Love God with everything you have. That's the first thing. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law hang on these two commandments. So Jesus tells us that in order to be who we were created to be, we have to put God above everything else. Loving God with all of our energy, all of our time, everything we have. And so when we talk about these boxes, when we think about family, when we think about work, you guys are busy, right? You have a lot of stuff going on. When we think about all of that stuff, Jesus says the number one thing is that you put God above all of it. And the second thing flows out of it. Love your neighbor as yourself. In the opening of the series, um, Andrew talked about several things about this. He, he was talking about the Shema, which is in the Old Testament. And Jesus quoted from the Shema when he said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And there are a few things that, that I want to talk about from those first two weeks to catch us up. The first thing is this. Andrew pointed out that in the Shema, which Jesus quoted, and, and Jesus didn't say it exactly the same, because in the Shema it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. In other words, there is one true God. I want to be very clear that there is one true God. There are a lot of boxes, there are a lot of things in our lives that may, we may be tempted to make into gods. There are a lot of other things that are vying to be worshipped in our lives. But there is one true God. God is one And so it's very important that we start by understanding God is the one true God. The others are just imposters. There is only one God that created us. There is only one God that can redeem us. And anything else will not give us, will not make us who we were created and intended to be. There is no other God. Second. Um, I want us to look, remember back, and, and if you'll remember, if, if you were here, if you weren't here, I'll explain it to you. Um, Andrew had the 10 boxes, and on the back of each box, there was a number. And essentially, every box except the box that said God on it had a zero on it. But the box that had God on it had a one on it. This is a really cool example that, that I saw in a book. And, and the, the idea of this, if you remember back, what Andrew said is that if you put all of these zeros in front of that one, you just have zeros with a one there. But when you put God in front of all of those zeros, think about the value that's added. Think about math, what putting a one in front of a zero does. A zero on its, on its own is just a zero, but when you put the one in front of it, it gains value. It's the same thing in our lives. The idea that we're talking about in unbalanced is that when we love God with everything we have, when we put God first, when we put the one true God first, it gives value to everything else in our lives. There is one true God, and loving God first will make our love for all of these other things better. 
Being unbalanced, having an unbalanced love of God, loving God first will make your love for all of these other things better. And so family, loving God first, giving God everything we have will actually make us better at loving our family. Loving God first will actually make us better in doing our work and loving our work. And I know that that doesn't seem to make sense to you. You're thinking, well, how can, I, how can I love my family better if I'm not giving them as much attention or priority as I give God? How does that work? The answer is this, because the creator gives value to the created. The creator gives value to the created. Creative things are meant to be enjoyed. enjoyed. These boxes, family, hobbies, um, sports, work, these are things that are meant to enhance our life, but they are not things that are meant to be worshipped. When we take created things and we worship them as the creator should be worshipped, we get things out of balance and things get messed up. I said out of, out of balance. It's really hard to keep this terminology. We want to be unbalanced, but yeah, you know what I'm saying. It's easy when we worship created things to get messed up. And so I want to give you an example of this. This is just a fun example for my life. And, and I, want to, I want to let you know that this is hard for me to talk about because for Lent, which started on Wednesday, Megan and I decided that we were going to give up a bunch of things diet-wise. And some of you are thinking, oh, that's nothing, but... It's something. It's really something for me. So we gave up sugar drinks, so no Coke, no sweet tea, none of that good stuff, so it's just water. And, and we gave up uh, sweets, so no desserts and no candy and none of that good stuff. And we gave up fried food. So right there we're talking about like 95% of my diet. And so like... This, is, this isn't just about like losing weight, but I honestly feel like if there was something in my life that I had to give up that would really cause me to become dependent on God, I think we're doing it. And you would be surprised how many times over the past four days I've had to pray the prayer, Lord, help me out. I really want a Coke. I really want some dessert. I really want something that tastes good. And so I was thinking about, this is a hard example for me to use, but one of the things that, that we used to do, the guys, when we would play softball, we, we played softball out at uh, Mid-America Park, which is out past Colerain, and so every Tuesday we would go play softball. After softball, there's a little establishment out on the way to the softball fields called Quaker Steak and Lube. How many of you have been there? Okay, and it just so happens on Tuesday nights, which was our softball night, they have this cool thing going on where you have all-you-can-eat wings right up my alley, right? And so every week we would go, and listen, I love their wings. They've got a bunch of good flavors. It's, it's really good. I enjoy a good uh, a plate of wings. But I would go on Tuesday nights, and this great thing that I honestly think God may have created just for me to enjoy Quaker steak wings, this great thing, after about 15 of those wings, I started to not enjoy them so much anymore. The truth is, anything that's created for our enjoyment, that's created, not the creator, anything we begin to give too much value and too much energy and too much time and too much worship, turns into a negative. And most Tuesdays, I walked out thinking, why did I do that? That wasn't good. 
The truth is, the, the boxes in our life, the created things, are not meant to be worshipped. They're not meant to take over everything. You are not meant to eat 40 wings. It's not good for you. I can take a two liter of cherry Coke and a bag of barbecue potato chips, Grippos, because they're the best, and I can eat a bag of Grippos and drink a two liter of cherry Coke like it's nothing. And at the end of it, I don't feel the same way that I did when I started. I don't, these great, wonderful things aren't so wonderful anymore. And, and so really, when we love God first, when we worship the right thing, which is the creator, it allows us to put these other things in their place. There's nothing wrong with Coke or potato chips or wings or any of those things, but when we take them as too much, when they're, when they're too important to us, when we eat too much of them, when, when we spend too much time doing any of these other things, all of a sudden we start losing out and getting messed up. And so when something that is, was meant to be enjoyed gets too much of our time and energy, it ceases to please us. So I want us to take a look at Romans chapter 1. Um, in Romans chapter 1, it talks about this issue of, of who we worship. And, and so we're going to be looking at verse 21 to 25, and it says this. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. This is talking about people who don't worship God and put God first. Although they claimed to be wise, uh, <clears throat> i got to find my spot. They became fools and exchanged, listen to this part, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over, over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. There are things I, I want us to look at. I'm not going to spend too much time in this passage, but this idea is saying when we start worshiping other things, when we start worshiping things that were created, it leads us to some bad places. And it says people thought they were doing what was right. The, the few things I want to look at, first of all, they thought they were wise. It says they claimed to be wise. They were worshiping gods that they thought would make their life better. They were worshiping gods that they thought would make them who they were created to be. But there is only one true God. Listen, I, I want to be really clear with you today, and, and I, I might step on some toes today. I, I, I might. But listen to me carefully. I thought they cut my mic for a second there. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not going to step on toes because we're going to cut your mic. Um, listen, there are a lot of people that think they're wise, that want to tell you how you should live your life and how you can maximize your life and how if you devote all of your time and energy to your family or to your work that your life is going to be better. There are a lot of people that think they're wise, that want to tell you how your life can be its best. But I want you to understand 
that there is one God and any of those things, listen, self-help books and parenting books and, and work and stuff like that, that's great. There's nothing wrong with it. But if it comes from a place of not starting with worshiping the one true God, it's going to lead you to pain and destruction every time. And so they thought they were wise. They thought they knew what they were doing. They thought they knew how to have life to its fullest but what Romans says is the only way, and what Jesus says is the only way you have life to the fullest is by putting God first, by worshiping the one true God. The second part I want to look at, they gave up glory that would last for temporary things that wouldn't last. It says they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images of mortal things. Listen, if I offered you if, if I offered you something and said, you can have this good thing forever, or you can just have a little bit for now, which one would you take? You want the forever, right? You want the eternal stuff. You want the good stuff forever. And that's what God is. God is the um, immortal God. God is the eternal God, the God that will always be and will always be there for us and will always be glorified. Everything else will fade. And when we trade worshiping the one true God, the immortal God, to worship things that won't last, we're making a pretty bad deal. God is the only Immortal God. The third thing, God is the only righteous one, the creator. It says that they traded, they started to worship created things, not the creator. I was thinking about this. Value comes from the creator, not the created, right? You've all seen works of art that are, don't look very good, do they? Like there are famous works of art that sell for thousands and maybe even millions of dollars that look like something that maybe I would draw. And I'm not an artist. Charlie drew something the other day. Charlie, my three-year-old. And I thought, this is as good as a lot of the stuff that we call art and we spend lots of time on, or we spend lots of money on. The truth is, those pieces of art are not valuable in themselves, they're valuable because of who painted them. Value comes from the creator, not the created. Charlie can draw the exact same thing as, he, maybe he can't, but as some artists, and it won't have the same value because value comes from the creator, not the created. And so when we start worshiping things that are created, we've got our priorities all wrong. So, so let me just say this. If God is not our starting point, then we are following imperfect beings and our models will inevitably break down. Let me say that again. If God is not the one that we worship first and foremost, if God is not our starting point, then we are worshiping or following things that will inevitably break down. They cannot last forever. They will go away. And so they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for mortal things. The text goes on in, in verse 28, and, and this, I'm gonna read it to you, we're not gonna spend a ton of time on it, but it says this, furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind. I want you to listen to the words that are said here, to a depraved mind, so that they do what ought not be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, 
evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do those very things, but also approve of those who practice them. And so I read that part to you just for this, for this purpose. If we worship created things, if we worship things that are not the one true God, that's where it's going to take us. It will break down our ability to live the way we're supposed to live. If we're being selfish, we talked last week about the fact that, that this whole idea of balance and having the best possible life by balancing things is selfish in nature. And when we are living selfishly, it will almost always, it will always lead us to this sort of behavior, to where we're not living a life of true love. And so, when we, be, when we begin to worship anything other than God, it will always lead us to selfish living that breaks down our relationships. So now, here we go. We've read the scripture. Now I want to get to the really practical side of this. I want to talk about some of these boxes that we had. I want to talk about some of the things that we are tempted to worship. And I want to talk about how those can be destructive. And I want to talk about how worshiping God first gives value to them. So we're going to be really practical. I'm going to tell some stories. I hope I don't step on your toes too much, but if I do, God's word is speaking. And so first, sometimes we're, we're tempted to worship others, aren't we? Sometimes we're tempted to worship other people, whether it's somebody that we love, whether it's um, an athlete or a celebrity. Sometimes we're we're tempted to worship others. Maybe it's even a televangelist, a preacher that we love to listen to, and we start to think that this person is amazing. And so let me tell you a quick story. When I was at Trevecca in college, Trevecca Nazarene University, I was at, in a psychology class. And one of the guys that was a religion major there at Trevecca with us, they, they posed one of those problems of, you know, if your mother was sick and needed medicine but you couldn't afford it, what would you do? And, and so we're all talking through that, and this religion major from Trevecca gets up there and he says, <clears throat> in times like this, I like to refer to this saying, what would John Wesley do? You guys have all heard of WWJD, what would Jesus do? All of a sudden, he elevated John Wesley to being the standard, and I thought, what are you doing? Like a, First of all, you're just a nerd. Like, come on, man. Quit bringing that stuff into this. Um, but what would John Wesley do? When we elevate other things, it doesn't work. When we start to worship other people, it doesn't work. And there's a couple reasons. It doesn't work for us. It doesn't work for us because if we're worshiping a mortal person, if we're worshiping a person that's imperfect, that means our model is imperfect, I don't know who it is in your life that you think is perfect, but I promise you, they aren't. I have lived in a house with Pastor Bob up until I was 
going to college and then back after college for a year, and I know that it seemed like Pastor Bob never did anything wrong, right? I mean, like, he would get up here and, like, he's still bent out of shape over stealing a friend's matchbox car when they were, like, five, right? I mean, listen, he's my father, if you guys don't know. Um, I love my dad. There have definitely been times in my life that I thought he was perfect, but I got news for you. He's not. He's a great man, and he follows God and puts God first, but he's not perfect. And if our model is somebody who's imperfect, there's no way we're going to become what we were created to be. And that's Christ-like. That's in the image of God. And so God is first. It's also not good for the person that you're worshiping, because we as humans were not meant or created to be worshipped. I'll never forget when I was a kid, we went to, um, I was a big Barry Larkin fan, and, and Brian and my dad and brother and, and I, maybe Andrew, we went to Houston to see the Reds play. This was when we lived in Texas. So we went to Houston to see an Astros and Reds game, and, and we got to stay in the same hotel that the Cincinnati Reds did. And Barry Larkin was my favorite player, and I thought the world of Barry Larkin. And I remember that when they came back to the hotel after the game, we're standing there, and these Reds players are walking by, and there, here comes Barry Larkin. Oh, man, it's Barry Larkin, my favorite baseball player. And I was just a little kid, and oh, he's perfect, right? And I said, Barry, can I get your autograph? And he said, give me just a little bit. I'm going to run up to the room, and then I'll come back down, and I'll sign your autograph. And I said, okay, cool. And so I sat there, and everybody else went upstairs and had pizza, now, as a kid, I passed up on pizza because I wanted Barry Larkin's autograph. And guess what didn't happen? Barry Larkin did not come back down to give me an autograph. I probably waited there two hours, and Barry Larkin never came back. Listen, Barry Larkin's probably a good guy. But if you're worshiping a person, they are not meant to be worshiped. They are not perfect. And guess what? Worshiping somebody else puts a pressure on them that's not fair to them. It's not, they weren't created to be worshiped. I was reading articles this week about celebrities that a lot of people worship. And I was just thinking, man, if that's our model, we're in big trouble. And guess what? The people that worshiped them, it created this identity in them that they were God and they began to act in some of the ways that we read about in, in verse 28 to 32, depraved, terrible things. Putting God first allows us to love and appreciate others without putting too much on them, without elevating them to a place that they shouldn't be. And so we can't worship others. The second thing for me, this is a big one, worshiping sports or, or hobbies. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of sports. I played basketball growing up and all growing up I thought I'm going to play basketball one day and every day I played basketball and, and, and I thought basketball was everything. And I'll never forget when, when I got to high school, I got done with high school and my whole dream had been to play college basketball and things went kind of wrong my senior year of high school and all of a sudden basketball this God in my life that I thought was everything became nothing, and it let me down. Now, you guys are thinking, well, that's because you were no good. <laughs> Maybe. But Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player to ever play the game, when he had run, won six championships, 
it wasn't enough. And he had to look for other ways to find fulfillment because sports and hobbies will never be enough. And if you put all of your worship and eggs into that basket, it's going to leave you empty and broken. But putting God first allows you to enjoy basketball, enjoy your hobbies, enjoy doing these things that are good things, but not elevate it to be a God. And guess what? When you worship God first, and this is what I learned, that when you worship God first, when you fail at basketball, when that goes away, you've still got God, the thing that should be worshiped. So don't worship sports. The the next thing, worship of body and mind. This is a huge thing. Some of us want to be the smartest person we can be. Some of us think that we've got to study, and if, if I can be smart enough, if I can get this amount of knowledge, then I'll be good. Or some of us think if I could just have the perfect body, if I can spend enough time working out, then other people will love me, and I'll have everything I need. And some of us spend all our time worshiping our bodies. There are people that spend all their time working out and eating right, and those are both good things. But when they become a god, it's a problem. And here's why. This is a quote that they say all the time in basketball. Father time is undefeated. Now, that's not totally true because, you know, Jesus and a few others broke that. But for our sake, father time is undefeated. Some of you are saying, yeah, my body isn't what it used to be. And if you think that having the perfect body, if you think that having yourself in perfect shape is what's going to make you who you were created to be, one day you're going to be let down because your body will not last. When I turned 30, all of a sudden my back started hurting. Where did that come from? I'd never stretched a, a moment in my life and all of a sudden, if I didn't stretch, I hurt myself. What's that? Your body will let you down. But our bodies and our health and our mind are wonderful things that God created for us. And so if we worship God first, then we can take care of our body and we can take care of our mind. And it can become a tool that helps us worship God better. And so we've got to shift from worshiping our body, our mind, to worshiping God with our body and mind. Putting God first frees us from superficiality and shallowness. It allows us to understand the blessing that our body and our mind are. And when those break down, guess what we still have? We have the one true God. Worship of work, worship of career. Listen, I know there are some of you in here that have spent way too much time and energy trying to build your career, trying to put your time into work, trying to make money, trying to make a name for yourself. This is a false God. Work is a good thing. If you don't have work, a lot of times it'll drive you crazy, but work is not the one true God. One day, because of your body, you're going to have to stop working. One day, it will let you down. And if work is your God, you're going to end up empty. Not only that, if you worship work, if you put work above everything else, guess what you're going to neglect? Your family, your friends, most importantly, God. Work will not be 
the God that you need it to be. In some countries, they've even gone as far as, as giving people a nap in the middle of the day. They found out that if you allow your employees to nap for 15 minutes, it actually helps their productivity. And here's the thing. We were created not to work nonstop, not to always be striving to be productive. We were created to need rest. And so even in the creation account, um, God created for six days and then took a day of rest, and that's how we are created. We are not meant to work all the time. And when you work all the time, eventually that will lead you to break down. And so putting God first allows us to understand the blessing that work is and put it in its proper place. Material things. This is an easy one. They come and go. I read an article this week that was, that was about, it was, it was just one of those, I always get caught up in these like clickbait things where it was like houses of the rich and famous and it was just house after house of these famous people and the funny thing was half of those amazing houses that you and I would look at and say, oh man, I would lo- if I just had that house, my life would be great, half of those houses, guess what? They were for sale because a house a possession, the car that you've always wanted, the thing that you've always wanted, the amount of money that you've always thought you needed to be okay will never be enough. And it's temporary, and it will go away. But when we put God first, that's when we experience these things, and they become things that we can enjoy, but things that don't lead us to pain and struggle. And this is one that I think is really huge. Worship of family. And, and I want to get really serious with you right now. In today's culture, I think one of the biggest gods that we have, God's little g, but gods that we think are God, is our family. I think that, that if you read anything, it tells you that you've got to spend more and more time with your family and you've got to do all this in order for your family to be perfect. You've got to pour into them and you can't spend too much time over here because you've got to do this. And, and a lot of us, I, I'm a pastor, And I know that a lot of people put their family ahead of God. I have four kids. I know it's busy. I'm big into sports. I know that if when my kids get into sports, I'm going to have to make some difficult decisions about what I put first, my family or God. And too many people put their family above or equal to God. And the truth of the matter is, That's not how we were created. We weren't created to put our family before God. Because here's the thing. If your kids are everything to you, if you spend all of your time and energy pouring into your kids so that they can have the best possible life, guess what they start to think? They start to think that this is all about them. And they grow up to become entitled and selfish. I want you to understand something very important today. The best thing that you can do for your family and for your children is to teach them that God comes first. My dad was Pastor Bob. He's been a pastor since I was two years old. And there were a lot of weeks that my dad spent a lot of time at work, and there were a lot of weeks that my dad poured a lot of time and energy into God. And guess what? I have never once felt cheated. I have never once felt that that my dad didn't love me. In fact, the thing I'm most thankful for in my life with my parents is that they showed me that God comes first. It wasn't about me. It wasn't about them. It was about God. 
And so the best thing my parents did for me was not to take me to, to games on Sunday morning and to let me have everything I ever wanted and to spend all their time with me. The best thing my parents did for me was to show me that God is the most important thing in our lives. And God comes first. All of these things we've talked about are created for us to enjoy, but they're not created for us to worship. We are created to worship our creator solely and, and only to worship God. And we will only experience God's best for us when we worship the creator and let created things be in their proper place. And so just like Romans said, don't exchange the truth of God for a lie. Don't exchange the truth that God is the immortal God for something that will pass and will let you down. It will not work out well. God comes first. I want to read this. This is, this is just from an article that I read. This is really good. But God, being rich in mercy, so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The author and perfecter of love, love himself, stepped into our horrible, evil anarchy to redeem us, his people, and to give us new life and to transform us from children of wrath back into children of God who are able to love him supremely and therefore able to love each other rightly the way that he has loved us. And how has he loved us? With the greatest love there is, the love that moves one to lay down his life for his friends. But this doesn't mean that Jesus loved us, his friends, more than his Father. It means that Jesus loved us best because he loved his Father most. And if God so loved, we also ought to love one another. There's this really cool part in Jesus' story. Um, it, it's, it's in all of the Gospels. It's after the Last Supper, and, and Jesus knows where all of this is going. Jesus knows that he's going to a cross. Jesus knows that his life is going to be laid down for the sins of all of humanity. And he, he finds himself in the Garden of Gethsemane. And we hear, this, we hear this conversation between Jesus and the Father. And he says, Father, if it's possible for this cup to be taken from me, let it be taken from me. But thy will be done. You know what Jesus didn't say? But those people are so important. But, but Alex Mahaffey, oh, that wasn't it. Jesus' love for us only flowed out of his love for the Father. And so even in laying down his life, even in not wanting to die a, a, a criminal's death on the cross, Jesus says, Father, if it's your will, I'll do it. And so the greatest act of love in human history, Jesus laying down his life for us, really happened because Jesus loved the Father most. Jesus' love for his Father was the catalyst for that great act. And because God is love, when we put God first and we worship God, we will be transformed into a people of love. Because God's will is that we love 
others, and God is love. So when we say, God, you're first, and we put God above these boxes, we become transformed into a people of love, because that's who God is. And so, God, make me into your image so that I can love my family better. Make me into your image so that I can love my work better. We put God first. As we close this service today, and and the band's going to come up, even as we close this unbalanced series, I'm not asking you to throw everything away. You need to understand that we were created to worship God and God only. And if you get that wrong, it's going to cause you trouble. If we put God first, all these other things will be what they're intended to be. And so I'm not asking you to sacrifice your family, and I'm not asking you to sacrifice your career, and I'm not asking you to sacrifice your time and all of that stuff. I'm asking you to put God first Because when you put God first and worship God and God only, those things are going to be what they were created to be. And God will take care of these other things in your life. And so today, I want to ask you to pray about this. I know that a lot of you have come to church your whole life and you know that we should worship God first, but, but I just believe that some of these things can become God's in our lives. I know that food can become a God in your life if you let it. I know that work can take all your time and your energy. And I want you to understand that if if that's what you're doing, if you're worshiping created things, it's not going to allow you to be who you were created to be. And so today, as as we sing this last song, I just want to open the altars up. And at the end of this unbalanced series, I want to ask you to make a commitment to God to be unbalanced, to say, God, I want to put you above everything else. I want to love you first. I don't want these other boxes to dictate my life. I want the one true immortal God to be number one. And so this morning as we sing this, I'm asking you to put God first for your family. I'm asking you to put God first for your work. I'm asking you to put God first for your life. Not just so you can be better, but because that's how it was created to be. And so if this morning you would say, my priorities are a little bit out of whack, and I've gotten to the point that I'm worshiping something created over the creator, never a better time than right now to come and lay it before the Lord. God is the one true immortal God, and God is the only, the only God And so today, we have to get unbalanced. We have to get our priorities right. And so I challenge each of you to pray right now. If you want to come to an altar, they're available. If you want to pray in your seat, that's fine. But I challenge each and every one of you to pray and say, God, be first in my life. I don't want anything to come close to who you are. Father, I pray that you'd be with us. I pray that you'd work in our hearts. And more than anything, I pray that that you would transform our love to be for you first. And I pray that all these other things, these good things that you created for us to enjoy and have would be what they were created to be. And that's just things for us to enjoy, but that you would be our one true God. And so, Father, I pray that you would work in our hearts in this time. I pray each one of us would ask ourselves that question of, are you first in my life? And if that's not the case... Let us offer ourselves to you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Amen.